Hey everyone, and welcome back to the second episode of the Peak Mindset Podcast. Today, as our guest, we have Nathan Flanagan Torchman. Nate and I met in the Coactive Training Institute, which is a training program for leadership coaches. As soon as I met him, I knew that he would be perfect for this podcast. The level of self-awareness that Nate has is super rare, and it makes for a really thought-provoking conversation. Nate is based in Ontario, Canada, and prior to becoming a leadership coach, he was an entrepreneur and founded a real estate brokerage, which he sold in 2021. He's been married to his wife, Robin, for eight years, and he has a one-year-old baby boy. Welcome, Nate. Yeah, thank you so much. I'm, I'm also very excited. Yeah, my pleasure. So, Nate, I'm curious, in terms of the reflections that you've had after our last coaching course wrapped up, what has stood out to you the most? Wow, that's a great question. Yeah, it's been... it's. It's been a, a process to say the least in terms of just kind of getting back, uh, feeling grounded again and allowing that pause, you know, to happen where you just kind of let things kind of sink in and hit you. And mm. um, for for me, one thing that I really took away from the course was this idea of uh, self selfless service. Um and something in which I reflected on in when we did that appreciator exercise, when we were asked to, you know, look at something in which we really want to appreciate, um, you know, inside of ourselves and kind of c- come up with an image or something in our lives that makes us feel that way. And for me, it came down to this idea of selfless service that I see in my mother. And I was just really taken back by that and something in which I really want to embody more of. You know, um, so yeah, for me, that's been a, a big piece that I, I'm I'm kind of s- sitting with and starting to have more awareness around how I show up in the everyday world, and you know whether or not I feel as though I'm in a place of of service for others or if mm. I'm in service for myself. Um, so that that I say is probably my biggest takeaway. Yeah. So tell me a bit more about what selfless service means to you. Mm. Yeah, selfless service is this idea of really doing some type of act which you have no expectation for anything in return. So, you know, really being in in the moment and realizing, well, how, how can I be of service to this individual or in this moment to whatever is needed with no expectations of what it will bring you? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that is something that you know, my, my brain, part of my brain, the voices in my head, some might say, well, come on, Nate, like you can't always be like that. And, you know, there's this idea of almost like, well, if you do that, are you ever going to get what you want? And it's this, you know, paradox yet I I'm, I'm starting and, and I'm really starting to believe in this idea that if, if you are in true service to others, you will get everything that you, you need. Mm. Um, so it's really now just about understanding that, but also becoming aware of how I'm showing up in my everyday life and almost like reprogramming, you know, the things that I'm saying. So that's what I'm experiencing now where just like, again, it's, you know how they say like the devil's in the details. It's like, yeah. it's literally this idea of when you start to become more aware, you realize, my gosh, like the subtleties of just everyday language that I'm doing or saying, it's like, oh, wait, was that in service of me or others? 
And I'm at that point now where I'm catching myself realizing, oh, that's really a, a self-serving thing. And then I'll, in my brain, say, oh, I should be saying this instead. And I think that's that's the process of where I'm at right now is like, I'm now aware of what I don't know or like this thing that in which I'm trying to change. And now I'm trying to act on this new idea that comes in my mind of, you know, what I should be doing instead of what I just said I should do or am doing, right? And now acting on that. So hopefully that will start to over time become a habit where that's just more of my uh, my first reaction, if that makes sense. Interesting. And with more awareness about this, how do you think it will serve you? Well, yeah, I guess that's kind of... Uh, that's kind of ironic, isn't it? You know, because the whole idea is uh, to not serve me. However, you know, I think, I think it will allow me to truly become the person that I truly believe I'm. I'm meant to be, mm. um, and whatever that looks like, I just, I'm just going to trust that uh, that will, but that will fulfill me uh, more than I can even imagine. You know, instead of this idea of things that I'm yearning or wanting, I go, well, what is it that I truly need and how in which is that going to show up in my life? And I, I, I believe that if I just follow this, this, this courageous act of being in service to others as much as I can, that I think I will get to where I'm meant to be and what is meant for me will be there. So that's kind of the path that I'm I'm going down. And of course, you know, I go down this path and my brain tells me otherwise, but it's this idea of just allowing myself to surrender and trust the process more than, you know, getting in a getting in a place of uh, uh, allowing those voices to kind of take over and go down the same path that I've already been down. Right. right. Um, so anyways, so interesting yeah. because it gives a window to who you are at your core, like you sharing this with me and our listeners today, I can tell that you really value the impact that you have on others and the impact that you have on the world. And that in turn impacts the way in which you see yourself and impacts your happiness. Mm. Yeah, I appreciate that. Thank you. Of course. And I guess relatedly, there was a point in the, the course, and for those who aren't familiar with the model, we it's a very um, practical course. There's not a lot of theory, so we spend a lot of time coaching each other and having demos in front of the class where you might have one pair in front of the class coaching each other and everyone observes and then gives feedback afterwards. And there was a point in the class, Nate, where I remember you were being coached and you became pretty emotional because you realized that you weren't living necessarily your authentic life. And I wanted to hear a little bit more about the reflections that you've had since then. And it sounds like maybe what you just shared with me is related to that in that you've realized that um, you know, being more in selfless service to others is living authentically but what other realizations have you had about that after you've had some time to decompress and kind of walk away from that? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was a, a really magical and powerful experience for me to go through, uh, you know, in front of everyone. And it's so funny because I think it does relate to what we're talking about. And it's interesting because I went into that, I think it was the second day of our course and I went into it with just this intent of, 
allowing others to, they, they, they mentioned, you know, like, Hey, we'd really love to hear from people who haven't spoken up yet. And I know I had taken the initiative to speak up. So I was like, you know what, I'm really going to focus today on just like making sure I allow others to speak before, before I I'm going to speak. And I practiced that throughout the day where I felt like, you know, if someone talked before me, I'd really make sure like, no, please you go ahead. And I, I felt like that the whole day where I was almost as like, part of me was going, well, am I really getting what I need out of this course? Like that was going in my head, but I just trusted my gut. And sure enough, at that time, I got chosen to, to do this coaching, uh, you know, mock coaching in front of everyone. And yeah, I had this, this experience where I really felt as though I broke through a ceiling that I've been, I've been, you know, yearning to get to, uh, for myself. And it was this idea of, you know, following my heart over my head and not necessarily not using my head, but simply allowing my heart to be the, the one, you know, driving the, or, you know, uh, sailing the ship, right? So the one to decide which way we're going next. And then my head comes in and supports that decision and makes it possible, right? Instead of the way I feel as though I've been living is very much with my head leading and my heart coming second, right? Mm-hmm. And doing what I can to support the situation that my head decided to go down. And I think it's something in which I've been, you know, aware of since our first course, Fundamentals, which I took in early November. And, um, yeah, it was just, I I got to a point where I felt, I finally felt as though I embodied it where it's like, you know, this idea of if it's in your conscious mind long enough, it will eventually become subconscious. And once it becomes subconscious, then it's second nature. And that's where it allows you to actually start living and showing up in that way. Mm -hmm. And I really felt in that moment, that's what happened. And that's why I got really emotional was I just felt it like, almost like I, I, it broke me and I felt it all throughout my body. And it was an experience in which, yeah, I felt, I felt very raw and, uh, a little bit like I could, I was getting this just awkward feelings throughout my entire body, but I really just sense it's because it was something new that now my subconscious mind said, okay, this is now the way in which we're going to make our decisions. Mm. And I felt as though I embodied it. And it was an, a, a very powerful experience, but kind of back to your first point, Jenna, of like, well, how does serving others serve you? I think that's an example of by actually putting other people first, you know, the universe or whatever you want to call it allowed me, the, the power came back to me in a reciprocal way that really allowed me to get what I needed, not necessarily what I thought I wanted, but what I needed. And I think that's really something in which after that experience, I said, yeah, I got to keep following this. Like, I got to keep just going down this path of trusting that I will get everything I need. So, yeah. What a beautiful realization to have. Now Thank that you, you yeah. are starting to live in this way where you are sometimes putting your heart above your head or in terms of your priorities of decision making or how you live. I'm wondering what it kind of internal dialogue goes on. Like, how does your your head or like the logical part of you feel about that? Yeah, uh, it depends on the day. <laughs> but I mean, I think um, what I've been experiencing is that my brain is feeling uh, a bit out of control. And there are times where the voices in my head get really loud. And they have been, 
where it's asking me to go, okay, well, you need to focus on money, Nathan. We need to focus on, you know, understanding uh, how we're going to make money or where our finances are at and blah, 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 blah. Right. And it's just like, you know, that, you know, that that's one way that my, my brain shows up and it's just being aware that, okay, this is just really what I'm experiencing at the moment because it's something in which I know is new and it's going to take time for my mind to have trust in my heart. Yet the only way I do that is by following my heart with an action, following through, and then figuring out what the reward is. And the more that I do that, the more that I know my brain will start to ease. So what I've been doing in those moments is, um, well, firstly, I find that my, my, uh, my daily practice of, of yoga and meditation really grounds me. So the days in which I get up and I get to my yoga class and I meditate, I find as though I'm in a much better position to handle those voices and, and allow them to just be instead of acting on them. Um, so yeah, that's something I've noticed about myself is that like, I know these voices are never going to go away, right? Like they're just who I am. So the, the idea is, is okay, well, how can I tame them? And I've just realized like, okay, like doing a, a 60 or 90 minute practice in the morning of the type of yoga that I find really gets into my body and then meditating for 20 to 40 minutes, you know, before I start my work uh, allows me to be in a position where I'm in a better state. And now what I'm doing is I'm, I start my workday with a meditation, with a 20 minute meditation, just at my desk. Mm-hmm. And then I typically journal right after that. And in my journal, I write down my thoughts. And a lot of these thoughts are what my voice, what my head's feeling, but then will come through is kind of like what my heart's feeling. And I can right. recognize that when I'm writing and I feel this energy, this uplifting energy. And then I say, okay, what can I do? What, what is it that my heart wants me to do? Like, what are the actions I can take to follow my heart? And I write down a few things. And just by doing that and saying, okay, I'm going to commit to getting these things done today. And then I'll do whatever else I need to do, right? Makes me feel really good. And that is typically how I'm starting to try and figure out like the direction I need to go down is just after my journaling, figuring out what it is that I need to do and then making sure I get, I commit to getting those things done during the day. Um, so yeah, that's been my process so far. That sounds really powerful. I think what stands out to me is that you are taking the time to listen to all the different parts of yourself that have different needs and wants. And you're kind of the one who's then putting everything into context and deciding, you know, what you want to listen to and why. And I think for me, at least that hearing you speak about that experience made me remember the first time that I even realized that I could be in control of the thoughts that that came into my mind. Mm. Um, Because for the longest time, I kind of thought that, you know, the thoughts that I have or the emotions that I have kind of happen to me, they're passive. They're not Mm -hmm. something that I have control over or that, um, that I can, can kind of discern and, and pick what I want to believe. And It was a huge shift for me when I actually started to meditate for the first time and realized that, hey, you know, actually I can control the anxious thoughts that come into my mind. I can try and listen to what they're trying to tell me and then tell them to go away if that's kind of the appropriate, um, you know, way to deal with it. Mm. And what's interesting to me for you is that 
you have kind of found this way of, of balancing all these different parts of yourself and really being the leader of that. And, and that's something super powerful. And it's a, an amazing like, and very intentional way of living your life. Yeah. Well, thank you. That's very sweet of you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Um, so I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about you as a coach. So um, I'm curious, what made you decide to get into coaching? Yeah. Well, so I've, I've kind of known I wanted to be a coach since 2016. Um, it's something in which I've, you know, throughout my, throughout my, uh, real estate career, I had always had a coach. Um, and I always really found them very valuable to my business where they really impacted, you know, my results. So I was kind of, I was kind of, um, a believer in coaching from day one. And in 2016, I had, uh, kind of like my first feeling of like, I'm not fulfilled in my career. And I was kind of searching for answers. And I just recalled doing some reflection and realizing like, you know what, like coaching is something I think I would really love to do. So I actually did become a coach back in 2016 with, oh, interesting. well, with, with, um, I was part of Keller Williams Realty, which is, uh, you know, an international brokerage and they have their division for, uh, coaches called maps coaching, which is actually the largest coaching organization in the world, believe it or not. Um, so I actually became a, a maps coach, which I was then going to be coaching realtors. And I did that for, um, I went through it all, got my designation and started coaching and having clients. However, I got sucked back into the real estate just with opportunities showing up uh, that I thought were too good to pass up. And um, that actually had led me to a path of feeling very much um, unfulfilled again and actually going through a pretty bad burnout. Uh, however, I stuck with it and let go of the coaching because I got back into the real estate game and ended up building myself. Uh, I doubled down and built a business out of it and just realized you know, as I was building my business, these feelings every almost like one to two years would come back up where I'm like, man, I really don't like this anymore. Like, mm. you know, and I was almost like I was going down the same path where it, I saw patterns where it was like, I would typically by the end of the year feel like, man, like, or sorry, typically by the summertime, I'd be like, just so exhausted and like, couldn't even get out of bed some days. Right. Wow. And I was asking myself, like, what's wrong with me? You know, like, why, why can't I keep just you know, pushing and pushing and pushing. And, uh, and then I would kind of like, you know, take some time off and then get back to it. And then the new year would come and I always have this like moment of like, is this the year that I'm going to take the jump? Is this a year that I'm going to get out of the real estate game and, and, and follow my, my heart. And a lot of times I just got sucked back in for whatever reason and it would go down the same cycle. And then COVID hit and I don't know, I had some real time to reflect and I knew that, my wife and I were getting to the point where we were thinking of having a child and I just couldn't imagine being in the state that I was while being a father for some mm. reason. I just was like, I can't do this. And I almost as though like that was like this moment where I just had to make a decision. And I finally made the decision at that point to say, I'm going to sell my business and I'm not, I'm not, I'm going to get out and I'm just going to do this. And that was in, you know, um, late 2020, and I ended up selling my, my brokerage to my top realtor who had you know, been working for me for 
over five years at that time and a good friend. And he, he knew I wasn't happy. And he also was in a point where he was, he was in a position to just say, yeah, I'll take over this business. So it just worked out organically. And then I ended up letting that go and, uh, spent some time traveling, getting more into yoga, having a child, and then finally realizing like, after just like taking space for myself and finally feeling as though I was starting to, um, feel better again, just realizing like, I think I need to follow this, this, this pattern that keeps coming up in my life. It's come up so many times now where it's like, I want to coach, I need to coach. And, um, so I just decided like after getting healthy again, you know, uh, realizing like, yeah, this is my path and I need to follow this. So yeah, I don't know if that really answers your question, but it's been something in my mind since 2016 that, um, I'm just now acting on. So um, interesting. Yeah. yeah. It's it's amazing that it's been on your mind for such a long time and it must feel amazing to be diving into it um, and making it more of a focal point of your life now after mm-hmm. so long. And it's interesting to learn the story of why you first got into coaching, but I'm curious now that you are coaching, what is keeping you as a coach? Mm. Yeah, that's a great question. I think it's it's just the the feeling I get after having a one-on-one session with a client, you know, um, because in those moments when I'm having a, a 60 minute, 90 minute, you know, session with a client, I'm just, there's nothing else going through my mind other than what's happening in the moment. And you tend to get a lot out of these calls too for yourself because you know, again, you're, you're listening, you're collaborating, you're helping this person through whatever it is that they're bringing to the call that day. And just the feeling I get afterwards just makes me feel, I don't know, alive and, and just an energy that is uplifting. So, um, that, that is what I love about this, this, this work that I'm doing is it feels very much, uh, reciprocal in terms of the energy I'm giving and the energy I'm getting back. Wow, that's really beautiful. I resonate with a lot of that. It's coaching is a really beautiful thing. And I also find it surprising how much I end up learning after mm. delivering a coaching session. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really such a remarkable thing. Yeah, it's really cool. And they say you typically end up coaching the people that are also going to give you what you need. You know, I've heard mm. these coaches at CTI say this is like, yeah, you end up coaching almost the things in which you're yearning for in your life. Interesting. You know? Yeah. So um, it's been an interesting journey to kind of see like who who I'm attracting in my life to to coach and who am I who am who am I inspired by, right? Because totally, you know, that's something that I want to work with people that inspire me. You know, um, absolutely. Yeah. And Nate, what is your dream for yourself as a coach? Wow, great question. What is my dream? Well, I would, I don't know. I have this feeling as though I'm going to be some type of of Tony Robbins style coach where I see myself coaching in an auditorium with thousands of people and leading them through some type of, of transformation. Um I've always been very much inspired by Tony, but like something in my mind goes like, yeah, like that's going to be me one day and Mm. that's what I'm going to do. And, um, I think I would love to really help a lot of, uh, doers like action takers. So, you know, 
just people that are, are committed to having a life that they're going to take action on, really helping them connect with their hearts so that they can be the most powerful version of themselves so that they can achieve everything in their life that they knew they were meant to achieve and thus pass that on to the people that they love so that those people can pass it on to their communities and maybe one day the world. You know, this idea like a ripple effect. And I just, I, th I feel as though that's, that's my path um, is going to be something like that. Wow. I can totally envision something like that for you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I really believe it. And I, I'm excited to see that day. I'll be one of the people in the crowd. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and um, I'm curious, in, in terms of you developing yourself as a coach, how has that impacted the way that you've thought of yourself as a dad? I, mean, I know mm. that your son is really young, but have you thought about how you're going to bring what you're learning and in, in developing these skills and coaching into how you show up for your son as a dad. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, definitely. I think it's, you know, your, your kids pick up on the, not the things in which necessarily you say, but just how you are and what you do. So your whole being is really, they're observing you and they're seeing how you react and kind of like what we've been learning in CTI, which is this like level three listening where it's like, it's not what you, the people are saying it's this like energy this like wave that's connecting you in the room and like it it tells you so much right? right so i just think that the more that i can peel back the layers that are not authentic to me and the more i can just be who i truly am will allow my son to truly feel comfortable being the person that he was always meant to be and not have to go and feel like he has got to put on these different masks that we tend to feel we need to as we start to age, right? Um, yes. So that that's one thing for sure. And I think another thing that I'm, I'm really taking away from this coaching is like, for a long time, I thought coaching was like, okay, I come in and I'll tell this person what to do. <laughs> you know, like, that's right. actually what I thought coaching was before I started this journey. And what I'm learning is just like, no, no, like this has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with them. And it's about their agenda. And you're there to, you know, hear their agenda. Sure, collaborate and help them, you know, design it. But it's really them deciding where they go and what they do next. And you're just there to support that person in, in that journey, right? So this idea of, well, okay, like how can I make sure that it's my son's agenda that like whatever he wants to do and however he wants to show up that I'm going to just be there to help support and guide him down that path instead of which I feel as though it's like, well, no, I want to take control or I want to kind of like, you know, you know, just, yeah, like take control. Uh, and that for me is something that I know I've already started to become aware of and realize like as he gets older, I'm going to be really careful on making sure that this is his agenda for his life and not mine. Wow. No, that's beautiful. I think what really stands out to me here is that you know, we've talked a lot about how you're working on living a life that's authentic to you and what that means for yourself. And that's also part of the dream that you have for your son. And it's what you're trying to enable him to be able to have is a life where he feels like he can just live for himself and, and trust himself and not have to kind of put on a face 
um, for the rest of the world. And I think that that's a really beautiful thing. Mm. And I think that that's a very difficult thing to teach someone. And so I really admire you for, for planning to impart that to your son. Yeah. Thank you. Sure. So Nate, I know that you're also a dancer. And so I, I want to chat a bit about that because I think that there's so much to learn from dancing. I myself only started to dance around two years ago. Before then, I thought that it was just, um, you know, something beautiful to appreciate in shows. But once I started to do it myself, I realized how challenging it is and how demanding it is on your body and how much it really is a sport. Um, Mm. And I'm curious if there's any life lessons that you've learned from dancing that stand out to you and, and that you've um, kind of taking taken from your, your life as a dancer and brought into other parts of your life. Mm. Wow. You got all the great questions, Jenna. You really do. <laughs> I love it. That's a great question. What, what life lessons have I taken from dance? Well, I mean, growing up, I was a competitive dancer. My mom owned a dance studio and, you know, I performed at a lot of different competitions and I feel though that, you know, putting yourself in a state where you are performing in front of an audience is a very vulnerable, you know, uh, task, you know, cause you're kind of just putting it all out there, you know, totally. and, and I feel like that yeah. has given me a lot of confidence, uh, in, in social settings. You know, because I'm kind of thinking, well, if I can dance in front of you, like I can, I can hold myself and talk and, and, you know, just, you know, exude confidence in just in a social setting. So I think that's one thing that it really kind of stuck with me growing up was that. And, you know, now that I'm doing, so I never, growing up, I didn't really do partner work like I do now, right? Like ballroom mm-hmm. and bachata. Like I, uh, I did, I had dance partners and we would do duets and all that stuff, but it was never the same, but it's so interesting to me. Cause like now in this, this ballroom bachata world that I'm getting into, it's like, I feel there's life lessons and everything mm-hmm. like, and it's just like, totally. for, for me, I look at it as like, it's this masculine and feminine energy. And it's about this balance between the two of them to literally have to, to dance through life, you know? And, you know, I, I just want to voice this, like, you know, the idea of masculine having to be a, a, a man and feminine have to be a, a female is not the circumstance at all. Like all of us as humans have both. Right. And it's mm-hmm. really about coming into a, uh, a harmony with these two energies, right. That, totally. that show up in all of, all of life. Right. They're truly like fundamental principles of life. So for me, it's just like every time I go to a dance class, like with my mom, we have a one-on-one instructor and he's teaching me things about, you know, this from the leads perspective and the follows perspective and how they interact with each other. And I just take away a lot of these lessons. Like I'm trying to think of one that's really stuck with me, but I think like, you know, this masculine energy of, of almost taking control and leading this feminine energy for what's happening next. And one thing that I'm learning is like, if I'm not clear or confident in what I'm asking my follow to do, they're not going to know, right? Because they're very much having to live in that moment, 
right? Where it's like, okay, like if my hand position doesn't change to indicate that we're going to be doing now like a crossbody lead or my, my, my head doesn't change over to my left side to like indicate that with my foot leaning a little back or whatever it is, like she's not going to know what to do, right? So it's like, oh, that's interesting, right? Like, you know, it's like, okay, well, how am I showing up in, in terms of what I'm saying? I'm going to take action on something. Like, am I really committing to, to that? Am I fully expressing that energy to allow me and in, in the feminine, the feminine energy me to kind of like know the direction I'm going down. And it kind of comes back to this idea we were talking about, like your heart and your head. Right. And like, to me, totally. I feel as though my heart is more of a feminine type of energy and my head is more of this, this masculine. Right. So it's like, it's, again, it's just like, it's finding harmony within those energies in the way that you act, the way that you, that you think the way that you dance. It's like, how do you keep, how do you keep balancing those? So that's for me, like the biggest thing with dance is just kind of like learning about those two things. Right. Um, but yeah. No, I, I agree. It's such a interesting balancing act. And one thing in particular stands out to me from what you said in that I've learned so, so many life lessons from dancing, but I think the most kind of powerful one that I bring into my everyday life is what you were saying about performing, like you need to exude confidence when you perform Mm -hmm. because it, it's not attractive from the audience perspective to watch a dancer who is not sure of themselves. Mm. And that's something that I've, I've kind of taken note of in my everyday life that, um, sometimes you need to learn how to exude confidence even when you really don't feel it. And related to how you're talking about the lead and and having someone follow you, I mean, if the lead is not confident and direct in, in the indication that he's giving, he or she is giving the follow, mm-hmm. then the follow is not going to have a clue what to do. So mm. that's also a, a about confidence and um and so I, I that's been a really beautiful lesson for me that I've taken away and um and sometimes there it's like the fake it until you make it kind of thing um which I don't think applies to to everything in life but I think that in cases like this you know there's sometimes where I really don't feel confident at all but I can notice the difference in the mirror when I'm showing that and I, I really am trying to correct for that and, and be able to show it even when I don't feel it. Mm, yeah, I love that. And it's funny because like as we're talking, I was thinking about this idea that we, we did a lot of this kind of in our last course too of like embodying it, like where you said fake it till you make it, right? So it's like, well, what, what does that look like of you feeling like you've made it? Like how are how is your posture? How is your chin? How is your like – are your shoulders open and rolled back or your it's so it's like it's embodying this state of being that you want to believe in. And I feel like, I feel like dance literally is that like, so why do we get so much confidence when we perform is because we're literally embodying confidence through every action we're taking on front of a stage. Cause you're right. Like you got to go full out or the audience is going to be like, what kind what is this? Like, they don't care if you're, they don't know what you're supposed to do. And that's fine. Like you can be, wrong but i always say like if you're going to be wrong be strong and wrong because then they don't know you know they don't know you screwed up (laughs) exactly exactly like the only person that knows is you right so yeah 
No, I love that. I love how you related it to our course because I think even sometimes as a coach, you know, when I'm coaching someone, I don't always know like, you know, where I should take the conversation, but if I kind of just lean in and trust my gut and and embody confidence, I feel mm. like I always come up with the right thing to say. Mm. And I love that, you know, because it's almost like the coaching call is a dance, right? You're literally dancing in the moment. Yes, that's how they described it to us in our first class. Yeah, and it's interesting because it's as though that the coach is acting as the follow, um, you know, because like if I had to, if I had to kind of like position, I'd say the coach is being the follow and the coachee, the client is being the lead. And it's almost like by you just being in the more that you're in the moment, which is what a lead is, or sorry, what a follow is supposed to do, right? Is like, just be in the moment and allow for what happens in that moment to show up and act on it. Right. right. And that's what good coaching is, is like being so in the moment that when they say that one thing, you're like, oh, tell me more about that. Or like, yeah. I heard this, like, let's go down this hole and kind of see where that goes. And the whole time that person is finding, they're leading themselves through a breakthrough or a realization or a discovery, right? Of whatever it is that they're yearning for. So it's almost like we as coaches are the follows that are helping the coachee, the client lead themselves through their lives. You know? Absolutely. And I also think back to what you said about, you know, this balance of energy, right? Like sometimes the coach needs to be the follow and sometimes the coach needs to be the lead. It's mm. a very good point. Yeah. So Nate, I'd like to close by asking you one final question. Sure. My question for you is what is your peak mindset? Hmm. What is my peak mindset? I think my, my peak mindset is a place where I feel as though my heart is leading and my mind has full trust and confidence in being there to support the path in which it decides to take us down. Nate, that is absolutely beautiful. I am so grateful to have had you on the podcast today. This has been a really eye-opening episode and I can't wait to press uh, share and, and share it with the world. Amazing, Jenna. Thank you so much for having me. It's been an, an awesome conversation. Thanks, Nate.